At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our Christmas message series, Eyewitness, finding your Christmas story in theirs, where you're invited to find your story in the extraordinary experiences of the men and women who witnessed the very first Christmas. Together, we'll see that no matter who we are, the coming of the Christ was for us. We have a living hope. That living hope changed me many years ago uh, when I came to realize that I couldn't atone for my own sins, that Jesus had to die in my place. And of course, we've just come through this Advent season where we've had the opportunity to look forward in the church calendar to the birth of Christ. But historically in the church, Advent has been a time not only of looking back and seeing the birth of Jesus, but looking forward to the time when Jesus will come again and fulfill all of the promises, for all of the promises of God are yes in Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of Luke, in the story that comes near the end of the birth narratives, Luke brings forth two witnesses, two aged saints, as it were, who give testimony to the fact that God is still at work in Jesus. In fact, um, these two witnesses show us what waiting for Jesus is all about. Now, on Christmas Eve, all of the kids and grandkids in our homes were waiting for Christmas Day. But they, that actually is an event where we're looking back. These two saints draw our attention on something that is yet to come, something that God is drawing forward. Advent is a time of expectant waiting and preparation, celebration of the nativity. We wait expectantly for the second coming of Jesus, not knowing when the groom will come to claim his bride at the rapture of the church, but knowing that the word of God, the promises of God, as we have just sung, will be fulfilled. Now think of a time when you had to wait. I mean, really wait for something that you were hoping for or something that you were looking forward to? What helped you get through the waiting? It was an idea of expectancy. But as we look at the story of these two individuals in Luke chapter two, we will see that this is not just about waiting, like waiting at a traffic light, but this is about expectant waiting, devoted waiting, patient waiting, where God fulfills his word. Not about passing of time, but about something important that's about to happen. Uh, like the birth of a first child. I remember when our first child was being born, we lived expectantly down in Dallas. <laughs> we had a suitcase ready. We were ready to go to the hospital. We knew it was gonna happen, we just didn't know when, right? It's that kind of expectant waiting here. Sort of like the three fathers who uh, were in the waiting room uh, because they didn't wanna be with their wives during the birth and they were just sitting there waiting for the news to come out of the birth of their kids. And all of a sudden, a nurse comes into the room with the three fathers and says to the one father, congratulations, you've given birth to twins. Your wife's given birth to twins. And he says, that's great, that's wonderful, but it's also amazing coincidence. I work in the sales department for the Minnesota twins. That's pretty cool. Wasn't too much longer after that, another nurse came in 
and said to another father in the room, congratulations, you have triplets. And he says, well, that's great because I'm an executive with 3M. And at that point, the other father in the room passed out. <laughs> and when they woke him up, he said, I work for 7up. <laughs> it's expectant waiting that God wants from us as we wait for the second coming of Jesus. What are Christians to do as we wait Jesus' advent? What does it look like for a believer to wait with faith? In addition to Jesus' parents, who are set forth in Luke chapter 2 and their obedience, we're given two other pictures of waiting. Now, let's get the context first. If you go back to Luke 2.22, you'll see that Luke has compressed together three events in the life of Jesus into a short paragraph. That of Jesus' circumcision, his dedication to the Lord as the firstborn, and his mother's purification rite after having given birth to him. And so the first thing Luke wants us to know is that Jesus comes from these godly parents. And so we read in Luke 2.22, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So we know about Jesus, that he is the firstborn, Mary's firstborn son. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So in this presentation, there are some people present. And those people are Simeon and Anna. They appear to announce and to attest that the baby is God's Messiah, his anointed one, which is what Messiah means in Hebrew. There was, verse 25, a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit, third time it's mentioned, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and said, bless God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword, this is the long Ramphaeon, the same sword that's described in the book of Revelation, the sword that comes out of Jesus' mouth to slay his enemies. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What does it mean to trust and obey as you wait? Well, first of all, we learn from Simeon that it means to wait with devotion and expectancy. We learn from Simeon that waiting on God requires a willingness on our part 
to bear seasons of uncertainty, to carry within us unanswered questions while we wait for God to act upon the promises that he says he will do. But if we live with the heart of Simeon, we live with a big expectancy. Scripture says of this child, not only will he come and die for our sins, but also he's coming again. Something big is happening. Not just Jesus coming at Christmas, but Jesus returning again. And so to wait with expectancy in the present day is to wait for Jesus' return with devotion and expectancy. And those who wait in that way will find God's peace. It meant more than that for Simeon. It meant to be faithful in his daily responsibilities as he waited for God to fulfill what he had promised in his word. You know, Luke portrays Simeon as exemplary in the way he read and reflected upon the Old Testament. Simeon was not only eagerly waiting for this Christ to come. By the way, think about the way he was waiting. Would you with me for a minute? He's waiting to die. <laughs> you will not die, the Spirit told him, until you see the Lord's anointed. What a great thing. I mean, of all the things you could pick for the Lord to tell you, would you pick for him to tell you when you're going to die? Maybe some of you would. I'm not sure I would. But he has this promise from the Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's anointed. And I have to think, if I had that kind of a promise, I probably would have shared it with some other people. <laughs> doesn't say that in the text. But if people knew what Simeon had been promised, they knew as long as Simeon was around, the Messiah ain't here. <laughs> right? And Simeon is waiting the Lord's anointed. You know, Simeon could wait this way because believers whose hearts align with God's heart await the fulfillment of God's promises with a sense of expectancy regardless of the personal costs. We used to joke in Bible college, uh, I remember I was going to get married, and I prayed that the Lord would not rapture the church before Linda and I got married. Right? Well, the idea is you wait with expectancy. If Jesus returns, that's far better. And that is the heart of Simeon as he looks at this. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. This is the same phrase uh, kind of mirrored in a different way in verse 38 of Anna, who is waiting or is talking to all of those who await the redemption of Jerusalem. Jewish believers in Jesus' day lived with the expectation that God would fulfill his promises and deliver to them a Davidic king, and Jesus is that king. Living in the light of the future means living, as Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we await the return of the Lord from heaven. We who are alive and remain shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. But in a moment, twinkling of an eye, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15, we shall be with him, so we do not grieve. Simeon's life was a constant reminder to everyone around him of the promise of the Lord to bring a Messiah to the nation, the redemption of Jerusalem. So the fulfillment of God's promises in his word also bring joy to the true believer. 
Notice how in verses 29 and 32 through 32, the fulfillments of God's promises draw forth the praise and testimony of his servants. Simeon responds to the presence of the child with a prophecy of praise that foretells the ministry of the Messiah. This Messiah will be a stumbling stone, in the words of the prophets, a rock of offense. Some people will have their hearts revealed through his ministry. And how you respond to Jesus in his first coming says a lot. But more than that, there will be pain, pain described by the sharpest of swords that would pierce Mary's own heart so that the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed. Interesting prophecy on the part of Simeon. And Simeon knows that Jesus is a dividing line. And to this point, while we wait expectantly for Jesus to return, Jesus is still a dividing line in history. It was interesting the other day to be driving about on Christmas Day. I don't know if you were out and about, but if you were out and about, you noticed that businesses were shut down. Even It was hard to find a gas station, maybe, to go get. There were places open, don't get me wrong. But the world sees something important in Christmas Day, at least in the States, here we do. Um, what does the world think of Jesus, though? Does Jesus, do they think of Jesus only as that harmless little baby? Do they only look at the past and not realize that this one is coming to judge the living and the dead? Simeon has this thought in view, that God can be trusted to do what he says he will do. Let God's people see and learn. Even today, those who wait expectantly find that the opportunities that God gives us to serve people give people a chance to see Jesus. Well, Simeon not only waits with devotion and expectancy, Simeon waits for God's timing. You know, contented believers surrender their lives and themselves to God's timing when they wait. He's a servant who seeks only to do what God has called him to do. The timing of his life and his death are completely matters in God's hands and God's sovereignty. He lived prepared to die. But the image we get of Simeon here is of an aged saint who waited and waited. And many of us wait for the return of Jesus. We wait and hope in expectancy, knowing that God will do what his word says he will do. Simeon is content as he faces his own death, knowing that he had been carrying out the Lord's call on his life. His goal is knowing God, with whom he will have a relationship forever. He is content because in knowing God, he has found his true purpose in living. No midlife crisis for Simeon. Simeon waits in humble dependence on Christ's Spirit, on God's Spirit. Three times in the passage, the Holy Spirit appears. The Holy Spirit, the source of all revelation and testimony, led Simeon to understand that before he passed away, he would see the Lord's Christ. While he waited, Simeon allowed himself to be controlled by the Spirit. And so I think this is Luke's lesson throughout the Gospel of Luke. And it continues on as a lesson as you move into the book of Acts where the Spirit comes upon them 
as at the beginning in Acts chapter 1. Believers who are waiting for Jesus expectantly walk in step with the Spirit of God. They allow the Spirit of God to control and direct their lives. And so Simeon's life begs a question on our part. Who are you waiting for? What's driving your priorities? What is your expectancy? Are you looking for the return of the one who said he would sum up all things? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will say it. Come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be always. Right? Jesus is coming again. We should be devoted to the fact of his coming. You know, we're pretty dedicated to Christmas. <laughs> Maybe we ought to have a mid-year holiday where we just celebrate the fact that Jesus is coming back. Good news. <laughs> it will be good news for some, but Simeon warned us it will be bad news for others. So you want to be sure if you're here this morning that you have placed your personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. Because there's not a second chance the writer to Hebrews tells us, it's appointed unto man to die once, and after this comes the judgment. No second chances after death. What will you do with Jesus today? Simeon's life calls that out to us. Simeon's words and his works went together. We see the same thing in Anna's life. It's interesting as you read the narrative about Anna, in verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna. Let's just pause there for a minute. A prophetess was one who either spoke the truth or foretold the future. And so often, being at the temple because of her piety and devotion, because of her continual service and prayers, people would come to her and seek a word from the Lord. She was already known within the temple at Jerusalem at nearly 84 years of age as one who could be sought to find out what God was doing in life's circumstances. So here is this prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. In other words, she was married for seven years and her husband died. And then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping, with fasting and prayer, night and day. And coming up at that very hour, the hour at which Simeon had pronounced this prophetic idea of, of Jesus and what he would be, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him of all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So the first thing we notice about Anna as she waits is she's not pictured so much as waiting for Jesus as ever present for him. My friends, let me ask you about this in this world as you go forth from this place. This is Sunday, of course, we all get together and we, we worship together. But are you present for Jesus in the world? Would people take a look at your life and my life and be able to say that that man, that woman, is fully present for Jesus? His or her life is fully about worshiping God and fulfilling his calling, his mission in life. Those who wait expectantly for Jesus, 
not just looking back at Christmas, but looking forward to his return, position themselves to actively participate in the promises of God. From Anna, we learn to be active while we wait. Anna did not cease to go to the temple. Her preoccupation was with the worship of God, worshiping, fasting, praying, showing up. From Anna, we learn that waiting on the Lord itself is an act of obedience. Anna walked a long life of devotion to God. One's walk with God, one's faithful service to him, are what defines everything else about life. So what have we learned from Anna and Simeon? We learned that those who wait expectantly for Jesus position themselves to actively participate in God's promises. Therefore, they wait with devotion. They wait with expectancy. They actively recall, long for, and expect God's covenant promises to be fulfilled. And they praise and give testimony when they see it happening. They also wait for God's sovereign timing. They yield themselves or acquiesce to God's timing. They don't rush forward with their own agendas. The, here are two who give witness to Jesus, but testify that Jesus' agenda has priority over mine. And then they wait in humble dependence on God's spirit. Anna as a prophetess, Simeon as one led by the spirit. To wait is to allow God's spirit to take his lead in your life. In a dream, God told a man to go outside to the boulder that was in his front yard and just to push with all of his might. And as the man awoke from the dream, he questioned at first whether this was God until he heard a voice from heaven saying, yes, it was me, go out and push that rock. And then for weeks upon end, he exerted with all of his might, with all of his arms, with all of his strength on that boulder, and he pushed. But it was a big boulder, and the boulder never moved. But day after day, being faithful to the call of God, he went out and pushed the boulder, pushed again. Finally, after weeks of pushing, he decided today he would push with all of his might, and he pushed, and he pushed, and he fell to the ground in total exhaustion. And he cried out to heaven and said, Lord, what is this about? Why am I pushing this rock? It, it hasn't moved an inch. At that, a voice of God came from heaven and spoke to the man and said, the, you can't move that rock. Only I can move it. I didn't instruct you to move the rock. I instructed you to push it. <laughs> but take a look at your arms and your hands. And he looked down and his arms, his hands were stronger. His arms were muscular and his legs were strong. You see, waiting with expectancy is not so much about what we do as what waiting and expectancy does to us. It changes us when we wait with expectancy, when we wait for God to deliver on his promises. And by the way, you need to study this book. If all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ, I want to know all of them. I want to know the fullness of what God has for me. Don't you? To wait with expectancy is to trust God to fulfill the promises in his word. But I have to ask you, what will God make of your obedience to his will 
as you work and wait, as you push against that rock, as you wait for him to answer for things that you've waited for for years. More importantly, how will waiting for Jesus' return shape you? You know, skeptics sit around and they say, where is the promise of his coming? All goes on, just as at the beginning of the creation of the world. Peter tells us that, right? What are you waiting for, Christians? We are waiting for a Savior from heaven to return. And when he comes, he will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Boy, I'm waiting for that. <laughs> I'm waiting for more than that. I'm waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises in many ways. Will we be like Anna and Simeon? Do we believe what he says? Will we seek his face? You know, trapeze acrobats teach us something about waiting. You know, if you've watched the circus and the, uh, the acrobats on the trapeze, you've probably seen how one of the, as they swing back and forth toward each other in rhythm, one of the acrobats lets go. Watch that acrobat carefully on the trapeze. Because what you will see is that the person just stretches out and does not grasp toward the catcher. The catcher is the person who's swinging across to catch the person in the trapeze act. You know, about two and a half years ago, I was on the trapeze. Not literally. <laughs> but God had told me, just like that trapeze artist swinging out to let go of something. And I did. And I waited three and a half months for God to catch me on the other side. But God did catch me. Now this is not simply let go and let God. Because let go, these trapeze artists have practiced with each other they know the timing of each other. They know how to swing together in coordination with each other. And the, the person who lets go has a lot of faith in the catcher. <laughs> and so doesn't grasp out. But you may find yourself flailing like I did in that three and a half month period. The promises of God are yes, but what does that mean for me? What it means for you, my friends, is that if God has called upon you to let go of something, you can trust him to be on the other side. He will catch you because his promises are sure. Now, some of you are in a vulnerable moment right now. You have let go of what God has called you to let go of, but you can't feel God's hand catching you quite yet. And you want to start flailing around. Will you wait expectantly for God's strong grasp? Will you be like Simeon who waited faithfully, served faithfully in the temple for many years, waiting to see the Lord's Christ, and finally says, Now, O Lord, your servant can depart in peace. If all I am living for is what Jesus has for me, that's enough. And by the way, as I read this book, some pretty big things are waiting for us out there when Jesus returns. His first advent, he came as a baby. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Everyone loves the small Christ child, right? He grew up to be a man. He went to the cross for our sins. 
He died, the sinless Son of God, for my sins, for yours, and God raised him from the dead. But he said something to his disciples as he ascended into heaven. And the angels said something to the disciples who stood there staring up like this when Jesus descended into heaven. Men of Galilee, why do you stand staring into the sky? This same Jesus that you saw go up will come back to you in the same way that you've seen him leave, bodily, visible, and with clouds. And every eye shall see him, and everyone shall look upon him. My friends, big things are ahead in Jesus. How might 2022 be different for you, a different year for you, if alongside your financial goals, and admit it, a lot of you are signing up for the gym this month, Coming up. Alongside your physical goals, you set goals to know God better, to know God the way Anna knew God, to know God the way Simeon knew God, to lean fully, to let go of the things that you cling to and lean fully on his promises. But you better read his words so you're sure that you're clinging to the promises that he actually gives and not some promises of a prosperity preacher. To follow Jesus will be hard, but I'm telling you, as I learned in that three and a half months, if you let go, God will catch. He'll be there. The promises of God are sure. As we see our strength waning and our goals slipping away from us each year, what does it prompt within you? The invitation of this season, the Christmas season, is to do more than wait. Our Advent journey toward Christmas is a time when we come face to face with the divine invitation of Jesus' incarnation. Every year, the celebration of Christ's birth calls us to actively discern how we can respond to the outpouring of his love. Jesus is coming back. Something big awaits. Watch this video with me and ponder how God might use you in the life of another and grab hold. Chris here. I hope you're having a great time of worship as we celebrate our great God and King. You know, the last month of every year leading up to Christmas, we set aside time to update you on the vision that God has laid on the heart of the leadership of our church. Today, I'm incredibly excited to turn our attention towards a great opportunity we have to show compassion in hurting communities. Six years ago, God placed it upon our hearts to launch the Dream Centers of Michigan in the Pontiac community. In the midst of the pandemic, the Dream Centers of Michigan piloted a new initiative you may have heard of by now. It's called the Social Enterprise Program. Through this program, the Dream Centers partners with local businesses to place members of the community in living wage jobs. I'm thrilled to announce that our Dream Center has just moved into a larger facility that provides the capacity for us to expand this life-changing program to 30 employees and to impact a whole new neighborhood on the east side of Pontiac. 
Woodside, this is a big goal, and we're asking for you to partner with us to make it a reality. You want to learn more about how God is using this program to transform lives? Listen in now to the story of Vanessa as she shares how the social enterprise program at Dream Centers has brought her dreams to reality. Hi, my name is Vanessa Hamilton. I'm employed by the Dream Center Social Enterprise. I attend Woodside Bible Church. I have five kids. My life has been a long, hard, and dark journey. It was, I never listened to God. It was always about me, 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 until I got thrown in the sight ward of a local county jail. This young lady came to my cell, and I was asking her what was her story, and she began to tell me her story, her name, and her age. We was the same age. We had the same amount of kids. I asked the girl, can I pray for her? We began to pray and cry at the same time. There in that moment, I knew the words were meant for both of us. I knew that I had to change and I had to ask God for forgiveness and repentance. I got out of local county jail. I knew what I, ha I knew what I had to start doing. I had to attend church regularly. I had to get into the word and I had to give back. Um, I started coming to church regularly. I started seeing what was going on with the Dream Center. I noticed that we had a pantry that was going on every Friday. So I was like, hey, I might as well attend the pantry. I don't have nothing to do and let me, you know, this is gonna help me get closer to God. So I started, I started attending the pantry every Friday. And then when we didn't even have the pantries, I just started coming over and just chilling with the Dream Center team and getting to know everybody and letting everybody get to know me. They never passed judgment. Um, they always wanted to see me do better. They wound up giving me a job offer at the Social Dream Center Social Enterprise. I started working for them. Probably about four months later, I got promoted to quality control supervisor. As I started working for them, it was like a lot of opportunities started opening up and the doors started opening up. The Dream Center provide childcare, after school programs, during school programs, summer programs, um, day camp. So it was like very impactful on me and my kids. Um, the Dream Center helped me move out of Spring Lake and they helped me move to a three bedroom home, beautiful home, nice neighborhood. Um, they helped me get a car for me and my kids so we can get back and forth to church, school, and their activities. Um, the Dream Center saw things in me that I didn't even see in myself. I'm so thankful to God and to you all for believing in in me and helping me achieve and see my goal. Um, I just want to say thank you all so much. There you have one, just one opportunity to be an Anna or a Simeon in your world. Who knows how God would use your testimony if, you, if you've been able to give toward the Dream Center vision or toward any of our uh, end of year vision things, I, first of all, I wanna say thank you. But just pray about how God might use you uh, as you expectantly wait for Jesus in the spirit. Uh, and as you make commitments moving forward into the new year, be thinking about your commitments in light of Jesus' soon return. Uh, only what's done for Christ will last. As an expression of that commitment, Chad's going to lead us in, yes, I will. 
Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.